You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks. Natural Stacks makes 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more on achieving optimal cognitive and physical performance, visit naturalstacks.com. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. In some ways, selfishly, that it should remain a secret because it is such an advantage. Natural stack. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself. All right. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers. I'm your host, Ryan Muncy. Welcome to another show. Um, Today, we're going to dive deep on brain, uh, neuroscience, and all kinds of cool stuff there. Um, this will be kind of in, in contrast to what we've talked about the last few weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at why it's actually impossible to be a vegetarian with a philosopher from Drexel University. Uh, one week ago, we had ancestral health leader Mark Sisson on the podcast to talk about becoming a fat-burning beast. So today, we want to welcome in Dr. Michael Merzenich, who is, as I said, a neuroscientist. Um, Dr. Merzenich, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Oh, it's nice to be with you, Ryan. So for you guys listening, um, Dr. Merzenich is the author of the book Softwired. His science kind of centers around neuroplasticity. And if you're familiar with Brain HQ or any of the brain training games that help us capitalize on the brain's neuroplasticity, uh, then you will be familiar with um, our content today and, and what we're going to dive into. Before we really get into all of that stuff, a couple of housekeeping notes. Make sure you guys head to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the video version of this along with any of the links and resources that we talk about. We'll have a link to Brain HQ, uh, which we will actually... Uh, announced later on in the show a discount for uh, just for you guys. We'll also have a link to the book Softwired as well as anything else that we talk about in today's episode. If you haven't done so yet, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, let us know how much you like the Optimal Performance Podcast. And of course, if the, the podcast is helping you, if it's, if it's making you smarter, if it's making you better, if in any way it's helping move your mission forward, please share it with somebody else uh, that you know who is into this kind of stuff and would benefit from what we're doing. Okay, Dr. Merzenich, I'm going to stop talking. We're going to let you take the spotlight. What is the one thing that we need to know about our brain? Well, uh, brain health is just as important, you know, in a consideration in your life as, as, as body health. And, and uh, we have a very poor idea of what it takes, you could say, in our lives, what we ought to be doing. Most people do have a very poor idea what they should be doing in order to sustain it. And sustaining it is, is sustaining you. It's really, it's really all about you making the best of your, your, your life on the planet. It's about making the best of your time. It's about having the best, the longest good time of life. And so that's really what, what, what we're about. We're trying to help everybody having a better, stronger, a mature life. And, uh, and, 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 and to help them in, very, in ways that we know that have been demonstrated from science can help. So that's what I'm up to. Well, we're hooked. We, we want to know all about it. So if you could elaborate on what is it that we don't know or what are the misconceptions that you just kind of alluded to? 
Well, we used to think that we're sort of victims of, of, our, of our age. You know, we, uh, we can suspect, we can expect progressive deterioration. And of course, we're not, we do get younger and we do slowly go to blazes. <laughs> but uh, we don't have to go to blazes so rapidly. We, our brain is actually continuously plastic. And by plastic, I mean it continuously changes itself as a function of how we engage it. And it makes a great difference to our brain health. Uh, uh, how we engage, it makes a great difference. And that's really what we're, we're up to. We're trying to help people with high efficiency, you could say, drive their brain in an improving or strengthening or corrective direction. That's what Brain HQ is about. And it's really based upon a long uh, history of science in which people have demonstrated this inherent plasticity, the ability to drive the brain physically, functionally, chemically, you could say, in an improving direction. And uh, if you think you've let things slide in life, most people have because they really haven't understood how to exercise the machinery inside their skull. You know, it's pretty clear what you need to do, you could say, to maintain your physical vigor and your general health. But it's, it's pretty obscure to understand what your brain is really asking for to sustain its health. And, or you could say more, more, more obscure. And basically, we're trying to translate the massive amount of science, which indicates what you should do, to try to guide people to do the right thing for the benefit of their brain. So, and if you do this, you can drive substantial differences in your performance abilities and put yourself in a substantially safer position going forward in life, we believe. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like we are starting to figure out what it is that our brain needs, but we may, right. not, we may not have all those answers today. Right. And part of this comes from studies in, in humans and in animals and a large, very, very large body of science, many, many thousands of scientific reports in which people have first tracked the changes that occur in brains, you could say the sort of unexercised brain across a life, and then in various ways have engaged the brain to change itself, you could say by engaging it in, in progressive intensive exercises. And what those studies have shown is that most things that are changing, if not all things that are changing, that, that you, def, you describe as deterioration or, or degrading function, are actually substantially recoverable. That's what we see in animal, studies in animals. That's what, what we see in studies in humans. And really interestingly, you can take almost any elemental ability. And at Brain HQ, we've conducted such studies in many, many thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of individuals. And you can track their performance ability, let's say when they're trained when they're 65 or 70 years old. And in most abilities, you can actually improve them on a level that's equal to or greater than the ability of an untrained 20-year-old. Wow. So you think of, think of the, there, first of all, it, before you train that individual, there's a long, slow deterioration in that function that you can document as well. But actually, they can very substantially recover ability and almost anything you train them to, to a relatively high level at, at an older age. And that can make a big difference, we know, in the quality of their general life, because in all kinds of ways we see this elemental training extends to your performance operations in, 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 in everyday life. Yeah, that's going to be one of my questions. You know, what's, what are some of the differences in, I guess, you know, brain scans, but also in how that manifests in everyday life? between an exercised brain and a non-exercised brain? Well, let's just take some of the things that scientists have shown. 
okay, so you train somebody to do something for 10 hours, and the training, this is over a period of days, and the training has been focused on improving your brain speed. Brain speed is a big thing for operating with high effectiveness, right? Right. And, 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 it's, and, and, the, and, the, and the training is designed to elaborate how you're taking in inf- information and vision from the world in front of you, okay? So you train for 10 hours, and now we look out in time and see the impacts that has on people that were trained. Okay, so what we find is, is that what scientists have found is, is that as a consequence of that training, if I just time your ability to perform an everyday task, let's say you're looking for something and that you can't find, or let's say you're, uh, you're, 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 uh, you're writing a check, and a check, some, some, some physical act like this, it takes half as long. And the benefits extend in very strong form out to more than two years. So you do this, you, you do this relatively simple thing, and everything you do, you do with greater efficiency. Okay? So let's take another real-world translation of just training on a computer. That's all you did, or, or an iPad or a phone. Now we look later, and we see that you have half as many traffic accidents that you cause. Okay, well, you never think that training a brain on a computer, are you kidding me? You have fewer traffic accidents? Well, you see things more, more, more rapidly and respond to them more accurately and respond faster. So just get, you're useful again. Older people have more traffic accidents right. than young people, right? Right. And, and uh, that is, say, people in the middle age when, they're really, when you're really in your prime. And, and they do because they're slower. They're slower in their thinking. They're slower in their responding. You know, they, okay, let's just, you should make a a brain HQ bumper sticker that says brain HQ making older people better drivers. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, here's the third thing. Just track going forward, the probability that you'll develop uh, what's called senior depression. I get, I get into the blues. I'm older, you know, I'm I'm not, life is not very exciting. Okay. That's reduced by almost 40%. Wow. The effect is strong. Beyond five years. So I did this 10, 10 hours, five years ago. Now I look at people's sense of independence. How do I feel I'm managing my life, taking care of it? Can I take care of myself? Very highly significantly stronger. Years later, I'm feeling years later like I'm able to take care of myself. Now, how could you account for that from the basis of doing such a thing for 10 hours? Well, you've livened your brain. You basically... You basically Increase the power of processes that are controlling your your liveliness, your your your, your, your baseline level of alertness, or how how strong and bright you feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and uh, you've also increased your ability to respond at speed. You've got a brain that's faster. It's more accurate. It's taking in information from the world more completely, and you're using that skill now in your everyday life. So you sustain the effect. So you can do, if you do just the right thing, you can have a big impact in all kinds of ways on your brain health. And we know that those effects can endure over a substantial period of time. Well, think of you just kept it up on a, on a natural scale. That's what we try to encourage people at Brain HQ to do. You can take a heavy dose if you're really, really beginning to slip. But then once you're back in good fettle, fine fettle, you don't need to do it so continuously. But you do need to get back to it and exercise your brain. Just like you need to get back to exercise your body every so often to make sure it's in good shape. Yeah, this is really fascinating, and, and that was going to be one of my questions. You, you mentioned that that ten hours number a few times. I mean, is that right. a, is that like a 
do these 10 hours in as concise a time frame as possible or like 10 one hour sessions? Is there a point of diminishing returns at 10 hours or should we just do, should we make this like a daily habit where we do it? It could, it could be 60, 10 minute sessions. It could be, it could be, you know, it could be 30, 20 minute sessions. It can, it could be, it fits in, it can fit into a life. In other words, right. it doesn't have to be dominant life. You can carry it on your phone. You can carry it on, on, on an iPad, on a pad. You can carry, you can come home to your computer or sit on your computer in your office before you begin work or in the lunch hour. And you can spend 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 40. You do it for two hours if you want. You know, it doesn't matter. What, it's, a, what is that? it's a free country. Yeah. But I mean, what, what is, what's magical about that 10 hour threshold? No, I'm just saying that, that, that studies were conducted where they time limited the exercise, right? Okay. I mean, if you okay. thought about this as exercise in your life, right. you'd put it into your life. And on some level, you'd probably do a little bit continuously. You'd put it, you could, and, you know, at Brain HQ, there's a strategy, it's called a personal trainer, to set up a schedule that fits your life, right? So maybe you've got 20 minutes a day that you can find a place sometime in the day. It doesn't always have to be done at the same time, where you could fit it into your life. Maybe you'd want to do it three or four or five days a week. Uh, you know, and if you, if you miss a week, you know, you don't, it's you still you don't it's lose okay. fitness. You don't lose but, brain but fitness. Yeah, you put right. it into your life as you put in your physical fitness. You know, you right. you 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 walk and you hike when you can, or you walk and you bike when you can, right? Right. So it can be like that. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, then you mentioned a, a lot of benefits for elderly populations. Are, right. are the benefits as profound for for younger people? Yeah. In in fact, using strategies like this now in 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 uh, in variations of this kind of training, we've trained millions of children. Mostly, we've trained children that really are struggling. Either they're struggling because they've had a very bad start in life, you know, and they come from circumstances where they're really behind, or they're struggling because they just are on that side of the continuum of humans that are that are going to have find school difficult or life difficult. So, and we have big impacts in these populations. That's really fascinating. Can you elaborate on maybe how that's changing the brain or making it more effective? Well, the brain is plastic from the beginning. And if you think the basis of any skill, every time you acquire a skill, we have our basic human abilities, right? We can, we can walk, we can run, we can jump. Uh, we can reason. There, there are things that we can do. But every refined skill or ability, every ability that we really elaborate or perform on any significantly refined level is refined by the brain changing itself. You know, if you think of any ability that you've developed, like a beautiful example is learning to read. Well, you don't have a reading brain before you learn to read. You, you actually create one by going through all of the steps that it takes. You know, reading is a translation of the sound parts of words in write in, in the written script at high speed, right? So first of all, you have to understand that basic translation. You have to understand all those letter sound associations. And ultimately, you, you develop all of the visual skills and the other skills that relate to the meanings of words and the, and the, and the, and the organization of words and language on the written script. And then look at the amazing thing you can do. You can glance at a paragraph and you can read it lickety-slip, right? right? It's an amazing skill. Well, you, when you... At that point, you have a reading brain. Massive changes have occurred in your brain. A person that couldn't read or never learned to read does not have a reading brain, obviously. Every time you develop a skill or ability on a refined level, you actually create that ability by creating the controller in the machine. That's your brain. Uh -huh. 
for the ability. And you're doing this continuously in life. And actually, you're actually creating the machine. You can think of it as you're born with a factory that hasn't really figured out what the heck it's going to make, right? <laughs> right. And, and you come into life and you learn to use certain tools. You learn to use certain – totally different now than 50 or 100 years ago. And you master them one by one. And they define the operational person you are. That's all a product of your brain changing itself. It's become a master controller of all of these enterprises, all of these possibilities have been created. It's fabulous power. Yes. So you can think of what we're trying to do. We're trying to control this power to assure that you sustain health and to assure that you sustain ability on a level in which you have a good and happy and useful life, right? That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Um so, and I might say that's also what you're trying to do. It, it is. You're I trying mean, to help people have a good and happy, positive and happy life exactly. by helping them nutritionally. And, you know, our goals are, 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 are we're, we're both pulling on the same orders. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's, what, that's another reason that we were so excited to be able to set up this podcast. I know our audience, this is right up our alley. I mean, you know, the, the cognitive side of things is, is near and dear to our hearts. We, we like to be smarter, better, faster. Sure. Um, you know, sure. so, um, you know, there's, there's so many different ways we can go with all of this. One thing I want to ask you is you were talking earlier about, um, you know, being able to process information more accurately, uh, right. more rapidly. Does part of that come from, uh, so we know the neurotransmitter acetylcholine, uh, plays a big role in mental right. processing speed. Right. Does part of the, um, uh, I guess the benefits, does that come from becoming more efficient with the, the neurotransmitters you know we're not blowing through it um right absolutely uh, uh, the 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 so-called modulatory neurotransmitters and i know this is something that you're very interested in and dopamine and 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 serotonin and and, and acetylcholine now, these are critical agents of change so we're trying to improve their the way the brain basically produces and uses them naturally i mean that's something that we're trying to do we know that we need to increase their their activities, uh, as you as you know, and we're also trying to improve the machinery that 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 operates with them. So you could think of this as a sort of married. We're trying to evolve the machinery that's that machine acetylcholine is regulating in the in in cortical processes. And actually, when you drive changes in brain speed, for example, Ryan, you're you're, you're and 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 those changes are substantial. You know that you're having relatively powerful engagement of that acetylcholine modulating machinery. Mm-hmm. So we're absolutely trying to, uh, to, to uh, exploit and, 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 and contribute in our way to the recovery of the health of these operations because they're critical to not just plasticity itself, but they also contribute very fundamentally to the regulation of mood, you know, happiness in life, right. Right. things that relate very fundamentally to the quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess that kind of talks a little bit more about acetylcholine. So, so how would dopamine and, and serotonin fit into this? Well, dopamine is another key plasticity modulator. So there have been many experiments that have been done that show that uh, dopamine is a sort of on-off switch in the brain. Uh, the brain basically goes through a learning cycle and, uh, and it evaluates the effectiveness of its, its try, you could say. Mm-hmm. And if it judges that it's been effective, reached its goal, um, then it releases dopamine. And dopamine, I call it a save-it switch, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it basically has an effect that in which the changes are enduring. 
And, and so it's absolutely critical that this machinery be in, in good stead or the, and, and that there's these critical agents of change, you could say, be, be accessible to the brain. So th- these are these are these are key aspects of uh, the control of of uh, plasticity, the control of change in the brain. If you want to change it for good, you have to have this machinery intact and operating at high efficiency. Yeah. So have you guys seen that in in elderly where uh, cognition is is on the decline, or or in young people where um, maybe they're on the 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 side of the spectrum where um, I forget how you phrased it, but it was very politically correct. Um, progression is, is a little slower. Uh, right. Are there neurotransmitter deficiencies that contribute to? Oh, of course. No, in, in general, in these populations, the, this machinery is downregulated and it's relatively ineffectually e- evolved uh, because the history of learning might, might be poorer or, the, or now I'm in an older age and I'm not learning very many new things. So basically, the machinery is not engaged very strongly. So it's commonly that these things decline. And we know that in the end of life, as this machinery goes in decline, ultimately, it's catastrophic. You know, when dopamine declines beyond a certain level, the dopaminergic producing cells in the brain die. And the consequence is ultimately the emergence of Parkinsonism. We know that senior depression is very substantially related to a decline in the, in the production of noradrenaline or epinephrine in the brain, and serotonin is affected, and so forth. So all, these are agents of change, and they do deteriorate in, their, in the control of these agents in many neurological conditions and in aging itself. And, 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 and they, they, generally, this machinery is operating less efficiently in anybody that's really struggling in learning, in, in whatever. So this is a common source of problem. Yeah. And what we're commonly trying to do, Ryan, is we're trying to improve the operations of this machinery by training it. And that's, so that's, 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 that's our approach to it. Yeah. And that's exactly what, uh, in, in my head, as, as you were going through that answer, I mean, I, I'm to build on your analogy of, of the factory, you know, if you imagine any, any product being assembled on a, on a factory floor, the machinery and the operations, the efficiency there is, you know, what you guys are helping people do with brain HQ and the individual, you know, ingredients or things that go through each station, um, you know, would be the the neurotransmitters or, or the chemicals and things that are in our brain that, you know, the synapses and things that make all that go. Right. Absolutely. Okay. No, absolutely. No, it, it's this all, this machinery has to be kept in good stead. Yeah. And, and, and it has to be exercised. You know, you got to oil the machinery. Right. And you got to keep feeding the ingredients, the, the materials into the machinery. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, we increasingly understand what the brain needs. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say, Ryan, just one other thing. It's not just about the brain. The brain is the controller of the body. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't really separate brain. Nobody told the brain that, it, that, it, that, <laughs> that brain health was to be considered separately from body health. They're right. really powerfully integrated. Yes. Yeah, we, we definitely like that holistic approach. Um, right. Mind, body, spirit, all of that. Right. Um, it's very hard to have one of those things out of balance and, and actually right. be at your peak. So One of the things we know from animals is that we can train an animal in certain ways. And uh, we see all kinds of changes that occur in the brain that are positive in the brain. And the animal lives long. We have big impacts on, on, the, on the lifespan of the animal. So that's really interesting to us because 
where basically the brain, of course, is controlling, having a powerful influence on, on through hormonal release and through and uh, on hormonal release and also on the, on the integrity of the operations of the autonomic nervous system and other key things in the body. It's directly projecting, you could say, influential uh, control information to the cardiovascular system and to all of the body organs. And uh, you need a healthy brain to sustain, you know, healthy top-down control. So it's almost, and, it's almost like from a, from a physical side, you know, if, if, if you brought me a superstar athlete who was just a great mover, right. I could make him better at any sport just because he has that foundation of movement. If, if we train our brain and it becomes more efficient, it's going to be more efficient at anything, even if right. you haven't trained that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, you know, we, it's really interesting because another aspect of this is that we all become such specialists, you know, because we, we live in life or certain things we're good at, the certain things we really enjoy to do. So one of the things that we've done is we've trained a number of, We've applied training in a number of professional athletes. Okay. And, and just to say that they're surprisingly bad <laughs> at some things that they should be good at. You know, you could take almost anybody in life and you could say, well, what you, should you be good at to be the highest performer at what you do? And I can tell you that most people, you can find weakness. Right. Well, and, uh, and, but it's all improvable. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the strength world, you know, I, I come from that background. So as a strength coach, I mean, we see that a lot of times with athletes is that, you know, they, they are very good at the one movement or the two movements that they do thousands and millions of repetitions with, right. but they right. can't do anything that's right. outside of that, you know? So yeah, yeah. Uh, like, that's exactly what we see. Right. And, and it's sort of shocking, you know, because, uh, and, uh, and we have them commonly, uh, well, they tell us later, well, I, 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 I see I can do this now that I couldn't do this before in, in play, you know, and it's, uh, it's surprising in a sense that it hasn't evolved that way because it, people haven't thought about brain training as being part of athletics training so much. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they obviously, they know your brain has to be in there, right. but, but they don't really think about how you would increase your neurological resources uh, to increase your physical uh, control yeah. abilities. I mean, it's, but, that's, that's fascinating though. And I mean, for, for people who understand that it, Right. It's such a, a no-brainer. I mean, sure, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, tell us some of these. Uh, give us give us some concrete uh, examples or, or practices that we can implement that will exercise our brain and, and help us um, in in some of the ways that we've we've already mentioned from a benefit side. Well, one of the easiest things to do is to go to Brain HQ, <laughs> but there are also a lot of things you can do in real life. You know, and you could think of a real life as a life in which you should be continuously learning. Mm-hmm. And by learning, I don't mean, you know, go to the library and get another book or download one from Amazon. Or I, I mean, learning new things, taking on new challenges that, that are physical and, 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 and mental. You know, if you think about uh, in acquiring, you could say, a role, continue to roll over a new hobbies or things that would engage you that you'd enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe you enjoy being on a bike. Well, you know, take it off on a, on a, on a mountainside, do something different. That's more challenging to you. Think about how you can continue to elaborate your skills and abilities and do this in a rich way. You know, don't, and, uh, one of the, also it's very important that you continue to gauge in life and engage in life. I mean that you approach life still using your senses, still paying attention to still, very actively engaging yourself in in elaborations of action control, you know, smell the flowers again, 
Don't you know, be, pay don't, be a robot. Get off of yeah, autopilot. Yeah, exactly. Be engaged again. Really listen when you're when you're talking to somebody. You know, don't don't don't, don't be a zombie. Right. You know, and uh, social life and social interaction incredibly po- important and positive. But do it in an active way. Don't do it. Don't just be the passive. You know, bump on the wall that all you have to to, to contribute is a little more gossip or another. You know, be a useful person in life. You know, continue to do things for purposes. Yeah. That are important to you. All of those things are important. And then pay attention to your physical health. Pay attention to what you eat. Pay attention to the, to, to, to sustaining your, what you need to sustain yourself. All of these things are are very important in life. So I actually had socialization down as a note. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, uh-huh. it, can you talk about the differences in how our brains are impacted by actual? connection versus uh like social media well that's a really good question <laughs> because it is different and uh, you know we're we're and the very complex nuances that come from actual social interaction where you're we call it, there there are this whole class of things we call it theory of mind but it's it's that you're understanding where the other person is coming from because you're looking at them you're listening to them. You're you're hearing the modulation of the voice. All of these complex things that are so much a part of our humanity, our human natures, which come from our human. I mean, we are interactive social creatures. We're designed to live with other humans, right? And we're designed to interact with them in in their presence, obviously. So, and lot a lot of the elaboration of our skills and abilities in the average citizen evolve around our operations in this domain. One of the interesting things that we've seen is that we can train a person very broadly and prove their cognitive abilities. You know, they can be smart. The operations can operate as if they're smarter, more capable in all kinds of ways. But it doesn't improve their social abilities very significantly. That takes special effort. That takes a special sort of exercise. It takes being with people, operating with people, usefully with people. Now, I think there's a lot positive about social media. I don't. I don't want to say, right. but it's so different and it's engaging so many brains so heavily in this different way. And sometimes it's doing it at the expense of their real interactive social life. Well, I mean, real social interaction is very much like reading, right? Where in your analogy earlier, you're not born with the ability to read. You have to, you have to understand letters right. and, and phonics right. and, and sounds. And, and there, right. there's a lot to build there with, with social right. interaction. You know, actually, we, we, we can recover a lot in, in individuals by, by training them. We, we, we actually have training programs that we apply that are very elaborate to train people that are socially busted. An example of that are children that are raised, that, that come into the world, that are unfortunately autistic and have very little social understanding. They just don't evolve those abilities. So we can actually train such an individual and advance their abilities a lot. Or we can train a person that's, uh, let's say, gone through a period of schizophrenia, which socially breaks them down. They have no social skills at all. And we can actually very substantially rebuild that by forms of training. But the training is very elaborate. And and on all we can do is get a person started. You know, we can get them comfortable enough and understanding enough so that they don't make so many mistakes so they can connect with their mom again or they they can make a friend. But they still have to go through the real complex elaboration of living the real life, of course. Right. There's no substitute for that. Right, right. That's really fascinating. I, I had no idea that you guys you yeah. know, could, could apply that to um, 
uh, I, I, won't, I don't want to say disease states because I, I know that, yeah. that that's an FDA taboo. But um, yeah. so uh, let's go back to a couple of, of um, practices. Um, how about learning a new musical instrument? Hey, that's a good thing to do. Uh, that's a kind of a, a self-generated exercise, a, you know, a, a, a new hobby and activity that's very positive. Or, or taking up singing more seriously. Join a choir. You know, if you ever had a little bit of ability historically, then then uh, pick it up and uh, maybe the church needs you or somebody needs you, right? I mean, right. that's a good, really good thing to do. There, there you have social engagement and, and improving on an ability that can be important to you. But anything like that, absolutely. And one of the beautiful things about a musical instrument is that it's demanding of you in multiple levels. You've got to learn to read the music. So you have the you have another form of reading you have to have pretty complicated. Yeah. You have to learn to control your, your, your these elaborate motions, maybe your hands, maybe whatever, uh, whatever the instrument in different ways. Right. And, 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 and again, you're being driven to do it with precision, with speed, with accuracy and interpretation. And these are very, very healthy class of things to do. And then there's all of the sort of emotional joy and interaction that you can have around it. I mean, it's a wonderful class of hobby. Uh, learning a new language is equivalent in, in sort of power that it can have on a life. And, and, and both of these things open up a whole new social set of social possibilities to you. You know, you learn a new language and you can go there right. to Poland and talk to your Polish relatives. So you, you, can, you, can, uh, you can go with your musical instrument and maybe try to figure out who else you can play it with. Or maybe entertain people that would never be, you'd never be up to entertaining before. Okay. So you, you took another one off of our list, uh, learning a new language. Um, what about like uh, games that you see people doing, uh, like the, the adult coloring books, crossword puzzles, Sudokus? Yeah, they're not really terribly useful to you neurologically. Uh, in a sense, you're, you're, that things that you could say practicing problem solving or practicing uh, remembering have limited value to your brain. Uh, I might say I did a the uh, a big crossword puzzle every Sunday morning. I, <laughs> I've, right. done it, I've done it for 50 years in my life, mm-hmm. and I, I just couldn't get through a Sunday morning without doing it. <laughs> but but I, I know neurologically it doesn't have much value, and, okay. and actually we use it uh, as a control condition. We have people do things like this uh, uh, in studies because we know that people will believe that it's useful. Yeah. But it really doesn't have much value. But here, here's here's the here's the important thing to understand. Intuitively, you would think that if I'm losing my memory, I'm sensing I'm losing my memory. That that the key is to practice remembering. Well, the question is, why are you losing your memory? Right. Have you forgotten how to remember? Probably not. The problem is more fundamental. The problem is is that the brain basically, when it struggles generally is representing information imprecisely. It's inaccurate. It's sloppy. You could think of it as being noisy. Mm-hmm. So now you're trying to record trash. You know, when it, when it, forward, it was represented information with clarity, and it was easy for it to, in a sense, record it, per, create a permanent record of it. Now it's full of error. So in a sense, one of the problems with brain training, brain HQ, is you've got to do things that seem... So you say, well, why would I do this? Why would I have this form of exercise, right? Just, I should be practicing remembering. I should be solving problems or solving puzzles, right? right? But there are core things to do 
that you have to do to recover that aren't so obvious. And they really relate to the sort of history your brain went through when it was really young that helped you have refined ability and help you remember, remember things like a bandit, you know? I mean, you have to do the elemental things first. Then you can worry about becoming a better or lab. And the amazing thing is when you do it, you become a better problem solver. When you do it, you remember things better, right? Right. You don't have to practice remembering to, to improve your memory. Right. Okay. That's really cool. I, I'm glad you brought that up. That That's yeah. really good stuff. Um, so then uh, we talked earlier, you mentioned, you know, that, that we have the ability to create new skills. We, we talked about some, some of the new skills, um, you know, learning a new language, um, picking up an instrument. Are there any other skills that, uh, or, or practices that, that we haven't talked about yet that can help us? Well, you, you, you know, just about anything you can think of in life, you know, maybe, or maybe you want to take up woodworking and build a, uh, build a, uh, I do that. Okay. And, uh, I'm continually trying to elaborate it. Maybe, you know, uh, pottery, Hey, pottery is good. You use your hands, you use your brain. It, it comes in an infinite variety of forms. Maybe you want to be a sculptor. I don't care. Take up painting. Uh, maybe you want to be a gardener. Uh, there's a, maybe you, you want to you want to uh, go find rocks and uh, carve them up and make jewelry that almost people almost never want. It doesn't really matter what the skill is. Maybe it's a new game. Tennis, great. Ping pong, fabulous. You know, I mean, you can think of almost anything that represents that in which you gauge your brain broadly that involves a combination of action control. Improved sensory perceptual abilities would be part of it. I've got to see things more clearly. I've got to, I've got to think through and solve these problems. Mm-hmm. I've got to, you know, all of these things. Uh, uh, so I think that my own, in my own case, I'm a sort of a man of a thousand hobbies. That's my, one of my strategies. I'm trying to continually engage my brain to elaborate its powers. I don't think, I think it's all about, Ryan, I think it's all about thinking about yourself and your brain, which is yourself, as being subject to continuous growth. And from the point of what I'm interested in, you know, maybe you're, you, and I tell you, Ryan, what you're interested in, what you, you, how you evolve is different from me, very different. Right. But that's the beauty of it. We have this power to beautifully differentiate ourselves and to continue to grow and to continue to grow our inability and to grow in, in the person we are. And how, how deeply and broadly we understand about things and operate in the world for the good. So as you deliver that, I'm reminded of the book uh, Mindset and you know the comparison of the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. Uh, have you read right. that book? Are you familiar with yeah, those, I have, those concepts? Yeah, I have. Right. So then you know, with that in mind, do you guys from a – I don't want to say from a marketing standpoint, but, but with Brain HQ trying to – do you feel like there are uh, there is a demographic that you have to convince that they actually can have this growth potential, um, whereas most of our listeners um, and, and probably many of the customers and, and, and followers at Brain HQ are predominantly of that growth mindset? Yeah, well, it's true that many, probably the majority of people that come to us come to us because they 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 understand on some in, at least in some. Uh, in, in inherent level that this is obviously important to them. Right. And maybe they come to us because they're worried 
but commonly people feel that they're not uncommonly people feel that they are slipping and that they're losing it and they're worried. And, uh, you know, if you, uh, but we'd like everybody to understand every citizen to understand that, uh, their brain is a work of progress in progress and that it's continuously improvable and that you're sort of a darn fool in life not to be interested in continuous growth and improvement. You are. I mean, how many chances do you have on, on earth? Just yeah. the one. It's a limit, right? <laughs> right? So at least by my way of thinking. So given this one chance, why wouldn't you think right. about making, trying to make the most of it? Why wouldn't you want to be a little brighter and more powerful, more effective every day you get up? And why wouldn't you want to see the next year to be a better one than the current one? Not think about life as a slow decline into oblivion, but th think of life as, a, as an epoch for you, continuous positive change. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, you'll collapse, but until that day, you've made the most of it. Right. Right. And that's the way, that's the way I, I, I'd like to sort of slap everyone alongside the head and say, come on, come on, what are you doing? Right. You know, I right. mean. I love it. I love you it. You should be thinking about continuous growth. Yeah. Are you, are you a lunatic? Yeah. Because it's lunacy not to do that. I agree. I agree. I love it. That's a great answer. Yeah. So let's talk about a few, uh, like, dietary strategies to optimize our yeah. brain. Um, right. What have you guys seen in, in your studies as far as how our foods impact um, cognitive well, performance? That's a good. That's a good question, Ryan. You know, it's not something that's directly in our in our in our in our you know our scientific. It's not that's not directly in our scientific name, but we know this is important, and and we encourage people to pay attention to this, and we encourage people to be concerned about a, a, a brain that's that's. Uh, that's uh, that's being nutritionally supported, and that uh, with this a consideration in life, it's obviously an important consideration in life. And there's a large body of evidence that argues about things that demonstrates that it makes a difference that what what you what you're what you're bringing into your body and there, thereby into your brain. So this is clearly a prime that the, the nutritional consideration of your brain is clearly one of the primary facets of having a a healthy older life or healthy adult life. Okay, um, and we encourage it, you know, in every every way we can. Right. We tell people, exercise physically. Get out there and do something. Right. You know, try to try to do it with in a rich variety way. Thinking about it not just as physical exercise, but as but as physical brain guided exercise. Pay attention to what you eat, mm -hmm. because an important aspect of brain health is what you eat. Pay attention to the great deeper considerations of nutrition as it relates to the brain. What about sleep? Well, you got to sleep. <laughs> so we, we know that, uh, that, that when we sleep, our, our brain is going to eliminate toxins. It, it removes, you know, some of the buildup and the byproducts from the previous day, catalogs, memories. Uh, yeah, right. What, what else have you guys noticed in, in all of your research there? Well, one of the things that we're trying to do, Ryan, is to help uh, – you could say exercise the brains in ways that would promote sleep. And this is a work in progress. I mean, we have a large study that is underway now with the support of the government in which we're training people in ways that improves their sleep quality and their sleep duration. And mostly these are people that are individuals that are, that are struggling 
okay. with in sleep and that have poor sleep habits for a variety of reasons. Uh, but we know that, again, this is, we understand a lot about the machinery in the brain that's controlling it. We know a lot about the chemistry of it. We know a lot about how the, the brain is basically um, in, in its integrity and its health. Uh, that that we we can we associate decline of specific operations in the brain with the with the loss of of, of good quality sleep, and we're trying to help people can in you, this fix. Can you give us specific examples? What what do we um, what abilities do we lose or, or decline with with inadequate sleep? Well, you slowly go to hell. <laughs> I mean, there's a massive amount of information. About about the cost of it, you know. Uh, ultimately, it is it, it's it's one of the factors that contributes in the end to an earlier onset of senility. It's generating an onset. Of, it's generating a background level of of insecurity in your sort of everyday actions and 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 in precision unreliability in your everyday actions. It's can completely alter life. For the in a, in a move move a life in a negative direction. I mean, you just have to have a level of daily sleep and, and nightly sleep, and uh, so it's really important that you do what you need to do to sustain it in, in a regulated condition. And basically, what we what we try to do is we try to again exercise the machinery in the brain that we know is playing a fundamental role in regulation. We talked earlier about acetylcholine and noradrenaline, serotonin. These are critically involved in the regu- regulation of sleep-related processes. So we're trying to exercise that machinery from our point of view. Let's activate it and yeah. let's do, do things that keep it in better health or reinvigorate it so that it acts more strongly. And we're not just, Ryan, it's not just about whether you can sleep more effectively. It's also about how you feel when you get up and how that transition from waking to, from sleeping to waking occurs. Because another thing that commonly happens in people that struggle is that they wake up in a zombie-like state, and it's not—it's a midday before they're really useful. And you want that transition in the in the natural, healthy state. It's rapid. You you you, you jump out of bed and you're ready for action. So, what causes that zombie-like state, and and how can we, if if somebody a, is suffering from that, how there's can we a very poor and sloppy regulation in the change of these processes. You know, the, the machinery is not operating with its with its with the power that is operating in somebody that is that can go to sleep more effectively, more rapidly, go into good and effective, you know, say high quality sleep more reliably, and that can come out of it. It's really reflecting the sort of power of the machinery that controls its dynamics. You know, on and on strong, off strong. Yeah, that's really what you want. And it, when it's strong, you can go on strong, off strong. That's what you want. Okay, okay. So I know you mentioned that the the study you guys are, are underway with right now right. Is, is with the government. Um, are, are there any secrets that you can leak to us uh, as as far as like what these exercises are that that help on strong, uh, off strong? Well, they're they're primarily involved with with uh, changing the system that's controlling your alertness and your brightness. And, uh, you know, again, they relate to the, to the, uh, an attempt to strengthen the machinery that's regulating acetylcholine, noradrenaline, serotonin. Uh, these are the, so we're exercising that machinery, you could say, in ways that we know 
largely from studies that have been conducted historically in, in animal models, because there the people studied this machinery and determined the conditions under which it was exercised. And as a consequence of its exercise, it grows, it's stronger in its action. So we're, it's based, based on that science. There's a large body of science that relates to this, Ryan. Right? Right. So you could think of it as, as exercising the brain systematically in ways that are engaging this machinery and just exercising the heck out of it. Okay. Pump and an iron on the on the sleep inducing machinery, <laughs> and and a lot of these exercises are included or, or involved with Brain HQ. They are, they are. No, we expect that if you, you know, we can't. This is a work in progress, so I can't talk about these. This is uh, as is if it's completed science, right? I, I understand. I understand. Yeah, I was right. Just I, I thought you know if we can get yeah. one or two no. little tips or something out of there, but. I, no I, promises, sure. but don't be surprised if you sleep a little better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So, uh, Dr. Mersenich, where can people find more of you or your research? Well, I, 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 I'd suggest that people might think about starting by, by reading the, the book Softwired. Because, uh, but you can also find there are quite a few uh, lectures that I've given that are on the, that you can easily find on the Internet. You had a very good TED Talk. Uh, yeah, right, 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 right. And you can, you know, I just uh, go for recency, you know, listen to a lecture because they, they go back 20 years. Yeah. Listen to a lecture about this subject that's relatively recent and you'll get the gist of, you know, get more about the science because lectures tend to be nerdier than our conversation has been, you know. You'll right. get, you know. But it also at, at Brain HQ, um, at, at Softwired, there's a lot of information at Brain HQ about the science. Right. But it's but it's uh, and the, the book software behind the book there's a website, and if you read the book you'll see that's referred to frequently, and a lot of nerdy stuff is there. So people that want to dig dig deep into the into the uh, into the complexities of it can find a lot of a lot of. Uh, and, you can and, say, and, and it's it, one of the problems, Ryan, is it's very the neuroscience of the brain is it, it's very very complex. Right. So you know, and, and have, as you yeah. said earlier, I mean, it's we don't have all the answers, and, and it's no. it continues. We continue to learn; it continues to to change and evolve. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. No, every change it's a, it's in constant advance and and change, but still, on a first level, we have over the past thirty years generated a pretty deep understanding mm-hmm. of what it's all about, mm-hmm. and I think it's really fun for people to read about it and yeah. to try to understand it. Yeah, uh, because it's them. You know, you're reading about you in a sense, right? It, it's it's like you were saying earlier. I mean, why would you not want to learn how you tick and and how you work and learn your machinery? And then if you learn the machinery, you learn how it works. You learn how to manipulate it to be better at what you want to be better at. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, Ryan, you know, philosophers have argued for uh, since the beginning of of uh, philosophical thought that's been written down, and of course they argued before then. About what it's all about, you know. How? What are we? You know. How does it work? You know. Where do I come into the world and the I, with this uh, brain and this body, and and how, how, I, I see myself evolving in all kinds of ways in the course of my life. How's? Why do I do what I do? How do? How do these? Where do these actions come from? Where do we have? Uh, we understand a lot about this now, yeah. from a neuroscience perspective. In a sense, it cuts through. We still have the mysteries. We still don't know where the spark comes from. You know, we can argue about that. There's still room for a religious or, or, or spiritual perspective about this. But we understand a lot about the operational machine, a lot about it. Right. And, uh, and so it's fun to understand 
what we understand it is. because most people do not. Very true. So with, with all of your information and, and expertise on uh, our operational machinery, we want to know your top three tips to live optimal. Well, yeah, I think what I've already uh, talked about one, Ryan, and that's continuous learning. Right. You know, don't stop learning. Just don't, don't stop. And think about yourself as a continually growing and changing and improving product. Everyone can be better next week, next month, next year, stronger, more effective, can do things, know things, understand things that they can't do, understand, know today. So that's the first thing. It's a life of continuous learning. It's to think about the brain as being a controller of the body, and the body is continually influencing what's happening in the brain. They're unified. Not just, not just so think about your operations in action. Think about your brain not just exercising my physical body. I'm going to try to figure out whether I keep my, myself limber and my muscles strong. Think about the control of your actions and the continuous elaboration of the control of your actions. That's why games that are continuously variable or challenges, that's why you want to ride that bicycle off-road. Yeah. Because off-road, it's full of surprises. That's why a game of continuous response and action like ping pong, tennis, something like that, it's very, very good for you. Especially if you always take it seriously. And that's my third suggestion. The brain only changes when it matters to it. Life has to be led with a certain level of connection and seriousness. You have to pay attention to things. You have to be engaged. Things have to matter to you. If they don't matter to you, they don't matter to your brain. And if they don't matter to your brain, it's going to blazes. So those are my three sort of Big, big dips. <laughs> Those are great. I, I really like that last one. Nobody's, said, uh, nobody's ever said anything like the last one, and, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, if, if, if it doesn't matter to your brain, it's, it's not going to uh, be stimulated enough to cause or create change. So that's, that's really exactly cool. right. I, I like that a lot. Dr. Merzenich, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, for you guys listening, head over to naturalstacks.com. Uh, we'll have links to the book, Softwired. We'll have links to, to Brain HQ. Uh, we'll have a special offer, uh, promotional offer on there for you guys uh, that, that we get worked out with um, Dr. Merzenich and, and his staff over at Brain HQ. Um, if you guys have not done so, please uh, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you enjoy the show. And as we said earlier, if this stuff helps you, please share it with somebody else that you know um, and, and help more people live optimal and, and continue to grow and, and make the most of their life. Um, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you guys next Thursday. Dr. Merzenich, thank you so much for, for being here with us today. Great fun to talk with you, Ryan. Natural Stack. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself.